welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I Am No Joke, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel a thin bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I Am No Joke channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, then we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If you're looking for the latest info on hot fisting and foot action, you've come to the right place. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the I'm No Joe podcast. Wink! I'm just fucking around. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate age, to the latest I'm No Joe podcast, where every armchair quarterback can feel like eddie bravo today as like most days we have got a glorious panel here to break down and shit talk the latest shenanigan filled tomfoolery in the world of combat sports but before we get into all the craziness and the nonsense we've got golf tea over on one side and our show's very own reverse jay and silent bob the brothers slow bake over on the other we have got a showdown ahead of us, ladies and gentlemen. We have got a battle in the pits later on, going back and forth. Don't miss it. Before we get into it, though, how the fuck are you two gentlemen doing this evening? Doing pretty good. Hope you guys are doing good, too. <clears throat> doing as good as can be expected. Much better than last week, because holy fuck, last week's card sucked. I tell you, man, that's... That's actually why today's name is today's name, because this is the hangover card of a hangover card before the hangover card. But it's a better hangover card than the hangover card we had or the hangover card we're going to have, respectively. So get your tattoo on, lose your friends, shit's going to get crazy. So as we like to do around here, before we get into this week's ridiculousness, we're going to kick it off with just a little bit of a recap from last weekend's craziness. Um, I will say uh, the card overall was much better than most of the Apex cards we have seen recently. But on the same token, for all of the hype the UFC has been throwing at us for International Fight Month, we got a lot of pop and a lot of fizzle, but not much to show for it overall. Um, last weekend did do better than expected. I think it'd be a good way to put it. <laughs> Look, I hate to say this, but for International Fight Month and even Fight Week, because technically it was the pay-per-view and last weekend, right? it kind of reminded me of like a bottle rocket. Started out really fast and then ended with a piff. Nothing to show for it at the end. Yeah. Uh, I, I and you know what? I will I will go this far to add to that. You know what started last week's little poof? That Israel Adesanya fight. That is exactly where that poof happened. Hammond Cannoneer, that could have been the thing to save it all, but it did not. And, yeah, and I can't because I can't put it on the fucking hallway bulk fight. That one was fucking phenomenal. 
Yeah, no, that those boys both fucking definitely gave it their fucking all for sure. Uh, yeah, no, that that Adesanya fight definitely had a little bit of a weird hangover. Yeah, onto this whole card, it kind of felt like because it, it for the most part, nobody really put the fucking pedal down when they needed to. Overall, uh, last weekend there was a couple of good ones, but again, even the ones that we got. I still feel like there is room for improvement for most of them. Um, a lot of room for improvement. <laughs> right. Um, Kennedy, right out of the gate, though. Um, another perfect example of that. That shot, uh, Kennedy basically manhandled him for three rounds, and the shot that dropped him was halfway through the third. There was plenty of opportunities in the first even, but most definitely in the second when he was really starting to put it on Robertson, that – he probably could have stepped on the gas and put that fucking fight away way earlier than it got there. And again, he got the finish, he got the W so good on you. But again, this is one of the things that we kind of talk about. It's that getting the W when you're coasting isn't the same. Like that's not going to get anybody excited. If you've got the fight in the bag, finish the goddamn fight. You don't get paid by the fucking hour. Finish your goddamn fight. When the fight opportunity presents itself, Kennedy, I don't know if he just didn't see it or if he just was afraid to gas himself out too early, but there were several opportunities. He could have finished that fight early. Carl was looking bad early on. He really just didn't have an answer for it. Um, the kind of exception to that rule for the, or the, at least the gleaming exception to that rule last weekend was the David Onama versus Garrett Armfield fight. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week. These guys both fought on the same local circuit here. These guys actually trained with each other at one point in time. They actually fought each other as both of their last amateur fights in February of 2018. And we're now getting to rematch that fight in the fucking UFC. Um, right out of the gate, it, it was pretty evident that both Onama and Armfield are both ready for this type of challenge. They're both ready to fucking bring it. Uh, both of them really, really looked fucking good. Garrett was so goddamn smooth, but Onama, when that fight got to the fucking ground, David Onama was like fucking complete fluid. It's like the man was made out of pure fucking water. There was no solidarity in his structure. He was just so fucking impressively fucking fluid in his ground game. And the fucking head and arm choke that he slid in was just textbook fucking beautifully done um i this is one of those situations that we talk about where even though it ended via submission i, I don't feel that either one of those gentlemen have anything to fucking worry about onama looked fucking spectacular armfield looks spectacular just because he got sub doesn't take anything away from him short notice debut against a guy that he's rematching for four years ago like Everything that Armfield did in that fight, in my opinion, showed that he's ready to be on that fucking level as well as Anama. So I, I think it was fucking great showing by both of those gentlemen. Um, I got to say, I did not anticipate going into last weekend and seeing Courtney Casey and Antonina Shevchenko be as close as it was. Uh, I knew there was a... I don't want to say it was a pick him. I'd say it was a coin toss either way. Fairly fucking close going in. I didn't realize it was a literal coin toss close as we got those two ladies banging it the fuck out for 15 minutes down to a split decision. 
in the favor, I think probably generously, I would say, in the favor of Antonina Shevchenko. Not that Courtney Casey really did anything that really put Antonina in trouble, but I just feel like she had a little bit more clear of a game plan that she was executing than Antonina did in that fight. But Antonina did have a lot more big moments and at least finished the rounds stronger, I will say. And I think that might have had a little bit uh, recency bias on the judges, if you will. Finishing rounds stronger than you started them sometimes will win you a round. And I kind of feel like that was a little in play here. Um, now, I, I had a feeling last week. And I could, for the fucking life of me, I could not put my finger on what it was about Cody Brundage that just was sand in my shoe three days after I've been to the fucking beach. Like, rubbing me fucking raw for no goddamn reason. There was something there, and I couldn't figure out what the fuck it was until the fight. And then they announced that he is Amanda Cooper's husband and everything made perfect fucking sense all of a sudden. Peas of a goddamn pod, those two sure the fuck are. Uh, just personality-wise, it that it clicked, it clicked into place. That's that's absolutely what it was. Um, that being said, the fight itself, uh Cody landed a beautiful counter right that caught Trayshawn completely unaware and wobbled him and sent him on the fucking road to trouble. Uh, now, leading up to that, Cody wasn't really doing shit worth talking about. This, in my opinion, is more of a situation where Trayshawn got a little too sloppy and left an opening that Cody capitalized on, whereas Cody tried to make it out like, he dominated that fight start to finish. And that just isn't the case, which comes back into play of, you know, who he is and why it is that I don't fucking like him. But that being said, a W is a W. And like we make a point, credit where credit is due, regardless of how you feel about a person. So congrats on the W. Go fuck yourself, Cody. I still think you're a piece of shit. I hope the next person knocks you the fuck out. It, that was the that fight was the beginning of the fall of the fucking <laughs> yeah that was the hangover really setting in <laughs> yeah and <laughs> what was the looking at it it was the fall of that entire season of the Ultimate Fighter started right there yeah. Yeah, between battle dropping out of fucking 185 almost immediately after actually getting into the fucking UFC and then Treshawn being the fucking runner-up and putting on that fucking sloppiness against fucking a dumbass like Brundage, let him get away with shit like that. Like that season. Yeah, that season is officially a flop for me now. It, yeah, it's definitely it hard, so much hard to be a fan. <laughs> um. I will say, though, surprisingly enough, uh, out of almost seemingly nowhere, if you've been actually paying attention to the card up until this point, uh, 
Michael Johnson versus Jamie Malarkey decided that they were going to show these motherfuckers how you're supposed to go out and actually put a fight on for the goddamn crowd. Um, I don't know if anyone thought it was going to be quite as good as it was, but Michael Johnson versus Jamie Malarkey got the fuck after it. Those boys were swanging and banging from the opening bell to the fucking closing bell. And there were several times where they each fucking drilled each other, were in serious fucking trouble, and then turned it right the fuck back around, almost WWE-esque. As soon as the momentum swang all the way one way, it would just immediately drill right back the other. Spectacular performance by both of these fucking gentlemen. And then come to find out after the fact, Jamie Malarkey did all that with pneumonia. Didn't find out till he got back to the UK because he was starting to have serious issues breathing and some chest pains. They sent him to get checked out. Turns out he had had pneumonia for nearly a fucking week. So he had pneumonia during the fucking fight and still put on that goddamn performance. Sir, my hat the fuck is off to you. That was a goddamn 15-minute battle to do that with pneumonia? What's fucked up? about that situation and my hat's off to him for fighting through it but they do pre-fight checks and screenings with doctors you mean to tell me nobody put a fucking stethoscope to that guy's lungs and heard the pneumonia because you can fucking hear that i'm just saying it's formally medically trained you can fucking hear that whoever the doctors are that are doing these pre-fight checks should be fucking fired get the fuck out that's not acceptable because to be honest I'm I'm okay with him saying, yeah, I'm going to fight through it. But there are reasons why they do these checks to make sure you are amply healthy enough to go and fight. Having pneumonia, you are not healthy enough to go fight, period. I'm glad he did go through it because it made for a fucking exciting fight, which is why it got fight of the night. But <laughs> on the back side of things, it pisses me off why they're allowing shit like that to happen, which is the same reason why Bisbing was able to fight for so long with one fucking eye, win a title, which I'm glad he did win, because fuck Luke Rockhold, but it comes back to the doctor thing. They need to do a better job on their fucking screenings. Like, I get it. This is a money business, but sometimes you have to put the welfare of the fucking human being before the business. Right. Well, it's the not weird like part this about is it. a make or break fucking fight that's going to make or break the UFC. This fight was right. not going to make or break it. However, it did help this card a lot, because and this card did need a lot of help. Yeah. No, the weird part about it is that the same doctors that are willing to come in and immediately cancel a fucking Pedro fight when he says he can't see, or immediately wave off a fucking Nate Diaz fight, even though he's fought with way more of his eyeball hanging off plenty of fucking times are the same doctors who are going to put a stethoscope on Michael Johnson's chest and go, yep, you're okay. Put that same stethoscope on Jamie Malarkey's chest and go, yep, you're okay. And then keep walking down the fucking line. Big issue. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) So, yeah, absolute fucking props to Jamie Malarkey for being an extra fucking badass on Saturday night and absolutely fucking bringing it literally above and beyond. Um, That was fucking spectacular. Um, I've got to say, I, I don't know if it was the hangover, if it was just the time off or what the fuck happened, but 
when Eamon Zahabi and Ricky Tertios got into the octagon, uh, something in Ricky's head snapped and he went from fight like this is a video game to you're in a video game, including making his own sound effects. Like picture the worst Holly Holm and Michelle Waterson fights you've ever heard turned up to 12. This was Ricky Tertio last Saturday night. And I, I will say this. If making a noise is part of how your brain remembers your katas and the execution of your combinations, the sounds that you make, the, the you know, those grunts and what have you, if that's how your brain remembers sequences and combinations, good for you. On the other hand, if you step into an octagon and you set a record for the lowest percentage of significant strikes landed in a three-round fight in the UFC, like Ricky Tertios did last Saturday, you don't get to make your own fucking sound effects. Okay, Ricky? Because I was one of the people who very, very loudly said, Keep an eye on this motherfucker. That Hadouken shit, that's fucking awesome. I don't know what happened, but I think he forgot you're supposed to do the noises and the yas and shit after you win the goddamn fight. Because, look, I like Eamon Zahabi. I really do. I've been excited to see him get into professional martial arts for a long fucking time. Nothing he did Saturday night was spectacular. He didn't look bad, but nothing he did was out of the ordinary. Nothing he did was special. There were no Farasahabi fucking magic tricks or secret fucking combinations that he did. He just was a very fundamentally strong, a basic fighter. And he was able to completely shut down a fucking ultimate fighter winner. Something in this equation doesn't add up properly. Like I said earlier, the fall of the fucking ultimate fighter for that season. <laughs> you had two guys who looked like they had a lot of fucking like a lot of potential yeah. on this card from the ultimate fighter, and both of them fucking tripped over their own dicks. One just did it with um might I say Super Smash Brothers style. This this fight was like taking a sleeve of Mentos and dropping it into a two liter of Diet Coke and cramming the lid on real quick, only to realize that the soda's flat and been open for four days. Yeah, that about sums it up right there. <laughs> there was so much potential. We were all so excited. Oh, and it sucked. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens going forward for those two. Just remember, potential energy is different than kinetic energy. That's, that's, that's all you have right. to know. Simple physics, kids. Simple <laughs> physics. That's right. Science lessons on the I'm No Joe podcast. The more you know. <laughs> um, speaking of unexpected, though, um, I have got to say, it is hard to be a Chase Sherman fan these days. It really, really is. And I've been a Chase Sherman fan for a long time long while i've ridden out 
several skids of losing streaks here as a Chase Sherman fan thinking, no, no, he'll turn it around. It's, there's still enough in there. He's still got a good enough head on his shoulders. He hasn't eaten too many shots. He'll still be all right. He'll be able to pull this off. He'll get everything back on track, and we'll get this train rolling. God damn it. I feel like I've been slamming my forehead against the fucking caboose for the last three years. And for whatever fucking reason, the last when the birdies went away, I went, oh, this fucking moron. Both me and Chase in this situation. Um, again, Jared Vandera is not horrible. He's not the worst in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but nor is he a world breaker. Nothing he did Saturday night was spectacular. Nothing was out of the ordinary and Chase was getting pieced the fuck up quite badly for the vast majority of the first two rounds. I don't know what happened in the corner, if the switch finally flipped, if he took enough shots or what, but round three, Chase Sherman was not the same dude we watched for the prior 10 fucking minutes. Um, and again, this isn't one of those situations where Chase got his head out of his ass and was fighting clean and was fighting smart and just set traps and lured Jared in. No, Chase is just really, really fucking strong. And he's a tough son of a bitch. And he ate a ton of shots to the extent that Jared started running out of energy from fucking hitting him. And Chase still had a little bit left in the tank and went, oh, yeah? And you saw the little pep return to his fucking step visibly during the match when he realized Jared was running out of fucking steam. This wasn't a situation where Chase was roping open or Chase knew this was going to happen. Chase was getting his ass whipped for 10 fucking minutes and then started to turn it on a little bit when the dude he was fighting finally got tired of beating his ass and was able to capitalize on a very noticeably exhausted Jared Vandera and land enough shots to get that fight stopped. That, as we like to say, was nothing to hang your hat on. Big oof, kids. Big oof. Um, that being said, ah. Uh, but like way if you're paying attention to the card. That being said, Nurmagomedov, uh, the showstopper, one of the biggest highlights of Saturday night, in my opinion, other than what we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, Syed Nurmagomedov came out looking like a fucking stud. Sent Douglas Silva de Andrade on that fucking air Dagestan fucking ride for 15 fucking minutes. Um, very much a different style of fighter than his namesake non-relatives. Uh, much, much more impactful and fluent with throwing kicks out of everywhere from everywhere at all fucking angles with pretty damn good precision. Um, we know Douglas De Silva De Andrade De Million fucking names is a tough dude, but he was just getting fucking worked like a heavy bag, man. Uh, Said is a fucking tough, 
tough fucking bantamweight. Uh, I still think he's got a lot to show, uh, but this was a good fucking performance for him, in my opinion. Uh, much more impressive of a performance, I will say, than the co-main events. Point blank, that co-main event sucked dick on the corner for loose change in broad daylight. That was bad. There was no reason going into that 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 fight should have been a co-main event, and it emphatically backed that point up and cemented it as fact as the 15 grueling minutes slowly and painfully ticked by. That was horrible. I honestly, after that, would not be the least bit opposed to hearing that the UFC is sending them both back to the fucking contender series this season to fight for the contract that they have both had taken the fuck away from them after that bullshit ass performance. Send them both back to the soup can series and make them fucking earn it again. That was horrible, especially Barallo's second fucking co-main event. It was a legitimate hug fest that actually put me to sleep. Yeah. And aside from having a a completely boring fight, then Barallo actually had the stones to grab the microphone after the fact and emphatically call out Drickus Duplissy. Like, you guys aren't even in the same fucking league, Junior. Sit down and. To be honest, I kind of hope the Plissy takes it just so we can watch him beat the fucking brakes off of that piece of trash. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't like it, but I wouldn't be opposed to it because Duplissy would fucking style on that kid. I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> and just so we're a hundred percent clear, I'm not the biggest Duplissy fan, but he would definitely fucking take a fucking beating to him because that dude just doesn't gas out at all whereas you could see Rollo fucking shallow gas tank he was in trouble early yeah (laughs) Yeah, not not fucking impressed to say the least not fucking impressed with Rollo the good news though is that despite all of that bullshit we got to finish the night off with the battle of the baddest Hoffa in the UFC. Um, Now, before I get into this, I do want to say this genuinely was a pretty close fight overall. And the numbers in this story or in, in this situation don't tell the whole story. That being said, they do tell a good portion of the fucking story. And the numbers that I'm referring to specifically in this situation is one for 16. This is not a number that we would generally ever hear in a matchup like this. Least of all from Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, RDA is not, or at least prior to Saturday night, 
historically had not been one to use the desperation takedown. Even in some of his most dire situations, he's a fucking with your shielder on it type of dude. He generally doesn't throw many desperation Hail Mary type of fucking bullshit attempts like that. Um, But for whatever reason, their game plan going into Saturday seemed to be very reliant on Rafael Dos Anjos getting a takedown on Fiziev and being able to, I don't know if they were going to try and use the, the jiu-jitsu to really impose their will or just out grapple and try and wear him down with the wrestling, but it was painfully obvious that the takedown and the ground game was the core of the RDA camp's game plan for this fight. And for whatever reason, even after the fifth, seventh, 10th, 12th fucking time, RDA just could not get a single leg, couldn't get a blast double, couldn't put a fucking body lock on and fucking sling him backwards. He could not get Fiziev to the ground and keep him there. The couple times he did manage to even get him close before he could even readjust Fiziev was already popping the fuck back up and getting out of there and throwing shots on the way as he broke off and looking fucking great doing it. Um, for whatever reason, Dos Anjos never adjusted ever through the whole fucking fight, never adjusted. And you could see Fiziev making small changes as he saw that RDA was doing the same thing over and over. He would change the angle that he would come at, or he would change the, the hand that he fainted with or something. He was moving and making little tweaks until he finally got the setup where he just absolutely fucking caught RDA in the fifth and just fucking hurt him like we have never seen anyone hurt Rafael Dos Anjos before. Um, this was very much that fucking Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar moment where you just have to go, oh, shit, and sit back because it was clean as clean can fucking get. And there's no denying that that man went unconscious. Even for just a moment, he went unconscious. It was a good fucking stop. Uh, Even RDA himself said after the fight, no, that stoppage was good. I did go to sleep a little bit, and Rafael Fiziev is the better man. Hats off to him and congratulated him, tweeted to him and celebrated him and the whole fucking nine yards because great fucking sportsman that RDA is. Um, Fiziev's a problem, man. Fiziev is, is, is undeniable in the top of the division at this point. It, it's just come down to a matter of the waiting game because so many people in the top of that division, unfortunately, are in the process of or recovering from a surgery of some type right now. Um, the fights aren't really getting made a whole lot right now in that division. So there's going to have to be a little waiting period for some shit, shit to settle out. But uh, I, I feel like he is, I would say his next fight would most likely be a, a title contender. Eliminator. Um, yeah, I could see him fighting fucking Poirier or fucking even, you know, it would be a good fight for him, I bet. Fucking Islam. I mean, Islam would be fucking. That's kind of what I was thinking is Islam wouldn't be a bad fucking matchup for Fiziev. And if they're so certain that Islam's 
quote unquote destined to be the champion, I say with air quotes for those of you listening, then it should be no sweat off of his fucking sack to take a Fiziev out on his way to confirm himself as the next person to fight for the title that should be his anyways. Exactly. If he's going to be the champ, he's going to have to fight Fiziev eventually anyways. So I hate to say it, but those guys at the top are going to still have a lot of trouble. Poirier will have trouble with him. Fucking Chandler. Dari Benil even will have trouble with him, and Benil's no fucking slouch either. He's another guy that deserves a shot at the fucking title eventually, too. So, I mean, it's getting a little stagnant at the top. I'm just saying. And then we've got a, a champ who can't make fucking weight to defend his own title. No, no. We have no champ in that division right now. Exactly. Well, we had a champ that couldn't make weight to defend his own title, so... It's fucking right now. Who knows? You know what? Go ahead. Fucking sign Fizzy up and Makachev and let them fight for the fucking title right now. Fuck it. Let it happen. Make the rest of those bastards who can't make weight or haven't been able to beat fucking Oliveira. That whole division right now is a mid-90s horrible movie slash music video. Yeah. It's the Wild Wild West. That's pretty much what the fucking lightweight division is right now. Yeah, it's it's ugly, man. It's it's real scatter fucked at the top of that division for damn sure. But yeah, Fiziev with the fucking fifth round stoppage of RDA and beautifully fucking done, man. Uh, uh, so uh, we mentioned it earlier. Fight of the night, Johnson and Malarkey. I think the fucking crowd would have rioted if they'd have given it to anybody else at that fucking point. Um, strangely enough, though, uh, performance of the night bonuses went to Fizia for the stoppage of RDA, understandably, and then Chase Sherman for that ugly fucking walrus slap fight against Jared Vandera. Like, I understand that he got a stoppage, but that that was not the best stoppage on the, the card aside from Fizia by any stretch of the imagination, so... UFC going to do? What are UFC going to do? What are you going to do? That being said, I do have a little bit of uh, news and recent events to run down here real quick before we get into this weekend's craziness to talk about. Um, First and foremost, um, just cannot catch a fucking break. Poor Dracar Close. Uh, Found out this week that Diego Ferreira is injured and now officially out of 277. Uh, as of right now, they are keeping your car close in camp and on hand. They are trying to find a last minute replacement, but even best case scenario. Now we're looking at a week's notice replacement right now. Like, I, I just don't know. That's your car. Can't catch a fucking break, man. He, he really fucking can't. Uh, you got to feel bad for the dude. Uh, not that, you know, Diego planned this by any stretch of the imagination or anything silly like that, but, you know, poor Jakar Close has just had a real fucking rough go of things, to say the least. Um, but it apparently, like we hinted at earlier, it it's injury season. Um, as if that wasn't enough, we got more news for 277. Uh, Maria Agapova apparently blew her knee out yesterday and is now officially out of 277. And once again, Jiang Kim is staying on the card. Luckily for her, though, 
unlike the poor situation with Jakar Close, they were able to secure a last minute replacement for uh, Maria Agapova. And now Jocelyn Edwards is stepping in on a week and change notice to take on Gion Kim. Uh, that one, I feel like, actually is a fairly decent setup, considering that Jocelyn just fought not that long ago in Singapore. So she's not in a fresh, full training situation. She's coming off of a rough situation here, whereas at least Jiang Kim has been in camp training, albeit for Agapova, but it's not like Agapova. Anybody, anybody's really going to worry about to begin with. I think it's an acceptable substitution is all I'm going to say. <laughs> Um, now I'm almost sad that I have to announce it, but I'm going to announce it anyway because it does bear noting. Um, the August 20th BKFC London card has had its biggest additions so far placed on it uh albeit this placement is very fake it's still real looking and should be entertaining uh Paige Van Zant versus Carissa Sigala will now take place on BKFC London August 20th I, I I don't even I don't even have good enough adjectives to describe how fucking dumb that is. Uh, I, I do you know how hard I laughed when I saw that. I, I laughed way harder than I I should have. Because I, I at this point I honestly thought they were done with Paige Van Zant. I really I did. But did apparently too. not, because well, I'll say it outright. Titty sell. That's what that is. That fight is absolutely titty cell, nothing else. That's that's exactly why that match was put together. Because if if you've watched any of the uh, BKFC events that Carissa Sagala has been a part of, um, the only fights that she has won have a been very close fights, and b have been fights that she was in where her outfit was literally one wild hook away from changing it from BKFC to just an OF broadcast, if you catch my draft. Um, she does not leave much to the imagination in terms of her combat costume. Uh, I think is a, a good way to phrase that. Uh, she distracts the judges. Uh, she gives them something to score more than her punching. Uh, I don't know how else I could say it, but uh, putting her against Paige is uh the the easiest the way to... good business. okay think of it like playing an action rpg if you choose a female character and you get the highest tier armor that is exactly what that shit looks like that, yes that's a great analogy that's a great analogy that's absolutely the case like think your favorite mobile rpg and that top tier fucking elite armor i say in air quotes yeah for the it's female characters really that's, that's what she kfc boxes in <laughs> yeah that's pretty much where it is that's all i'm saying yeah so 
that is a thing and and i get it they've got to sell because triller is now part of them and triller's in its own sort of shit box so they've got to try and fucking fend for themselves and i get it that's definitely going to bring in eyes the money that those girls are going to get to sell that fucking app and that pay-per-view is absolutely going to help i'm sure of it but uh just don't expect the fight to be worth the money is what i'm saying i mean at least hope i'll say hopefully neither one of those broads are as brazen as fucking what's her dumb shit beck rawlings wearing a fucking only fans plastered across her ass during the fight i'm sorry I'm saying. Yeah. yeah and then losing <laughs> getting a shit beat out of her <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah police don't Herrig, be dumb ladies don't be beck dumb. rawlings like learn from their mistakes ladies learn from their mistakes Oh, and not um, but luckily, um, we did get a, a couple of actual genuine interesting fight announcements. We got a little bit more bullshit here, but we got some interesting actual fight announcements as well. Um, the September 17th UFC fight night card just got added to its Mark Andre Berrialt versus Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, which I think is a great fucking matchup. Uh, Fluffy has been on a hell of a fucking tear lately and if he wants to test his fucking wrestling chops that he's been working on Marc-Andre Berrialt is that motherfucker so that's the damn good fucking matchup in my opinion here. Um, unfortunately the next one not such a great matchup here for some reason that I still cannot find out uh, the October 1st UFC fight night has no location as of right now, but it does for some reason have a main event that has been confirmed in the form of Yan Zhaonan versus Mackenzie Derp. How and why that fight is even on a main card, let alone the main event on a fight night, I do not understand. But I just want to put this out here. I know you said it correctly, but when you said McKenzie, oh no, I didn't. All I heard after it was derp. Not it, that's how that's how it's spelled. It's it's derp. Oh, I, I okay. <laughs> oh no, it's derp. Okay, I thought I, I thought I heard that. I was just making sure. Okay, yeah, no, immediately no. when it's I in the notes it. that way and everything. No, no, it's derp. <laughs> or yeah. Derm, one of the two. Can... I, mean, I mean, if you want to, if you want to get all fucking litigious and the government name involved and shit, it's not like she's uses it or the accent that came with it. So, no. Which <laughs> accent will it be? Oh uh, yeah, no, that's gonna be a waste of a fucking main event for damn sure. I don't know why they're doing it, but you know, UFC gonna UFC. So yeah, I'm okay with that Jonan part of it, but you know, that's yeah. I, I I don't. It it hurt my brain a little bit when I read those words. Like I had to like shake my head, slap myself a little bit, splash some water, and then like do the cartoon thing and like focus in, like cover well, one eye and cover the other eye and like. You can tell just by them calling that the main event, it's going to be a shit card. 
yeah, it, that that card is doomed already. That whole fucking card is doomed. So, yeah, no, we'll see. Um, but moving on from there, two weeks later, the October fifteenth card again, no location. This one, no main event yet either. Um, but they have added. Piera Rodriguez versus Sam Hughes, trying to just crank them Sam Hughes fights out. That girl's trying to stay busy, so can't be mad at that. Um, the next week after that, UFC 281 from Abu Dhabi, October 22nd. Now officially, ink has been put to paper. Sean Brady will be taking on Bilal Muhammad in Abu Dhabi. Right on. Good for them. <laughs> I don't think that affects that card one way or the other, but, you know, what you're going to do. A um, couple of interesting things to close out the news section here. Uh, first one, we got not just word, not a, a fucking podcast, not a tweet. We got an actual video release this week from the new light heavyweight champion, Yuri Prohaska. Uh he has done a lot of thinking and he has decided on what he is going to do for his next fight. Uh, despite considering strongly fighting Jan Blahovich somewhere in Europe, which would undoubtedly blow the roof off of any place they put it. Uh, Yuri Prohaska has decided that he was not satisfied with his own performance and feels that Glover Tejera deserves a rematch before he goes on to challenge anyone else because he felt like that he didn't put his best foot forward and that the fight ending in such a late fashion was an indication that he wasn't giving what he should have and that he's going to show the world why he deserves to be the champion. He essentially wants to run it back with Glover and pretend the first one didn't happen because he's not happy with how he fought. It's a wild, scary thought, to be honest. I like it. Do I necessarily like him giving a rematch right away? Yes and no. But that whole fact of I'm so unhappy with the way I performed, even though I finished the fight, that I want to run it back to prove that I can do it better. That's a scary fucking thought. Yeah. The dude came in with a fucking hype train. And has proved why he's had the hype train. And now he's saying he's still not happy with the way it's fucking gone. If the dude is not sleeping in silk sheets right now, let me tell you what. No, that that division, that light heavyweight division, you're on fucking notice, boys. You're on fucking notice. Good luck. <laughs> well, ironically, um, that story and, and that exact sentiment ties directly into the next piece of news that I want to go over real quick um, because the next announcement that we got directly from the horse's mouth as it were uh, much like Yuri deciding that he has confirmed he wants his next fight to be the rematch against Glover um, the former champion Jan Blahovich said himself that he thinks for his next challenge since Yuri has decided he's not going to uphold the samurai code and live by the Bushido way and take the next challenger, which would rightfully be Jan, most likely. Um, he's going to go and, and fight Glover again, that it only makes sense that he 
take on his own rematch and go fight Adesanya again, but down at middleweight, he's willing to cut to 85 to fight Izzy for the middleweight belt next. Let me be very clear. I'm not saying this is a good idea for Jan. What I am going to say is take my money. I will giggle as they walk out for that fight. <laughs> good God, yeah. But that is going to be one skinny, tiny fucking yawn to get down to 185. And he's going to be a shell of the person that he fucking is at 205. That's all I'm saying. It's going it's a weird, like the whole potential of it is real weird. He can't, but he can't physically weight cut that. He's going to have to lose muscle mass in order to be able to fucking do that. And yeah, he's, that's a water, yeah, water loading won't get him there. <laughs> he's no. too big. Water loading won't get him to 185. No way. He's good. Yeah, he's going to have to trim down. He's going to have to cut some frame off for sure. He's going to have to burn some weight. But he said, I'm willing to do it. I'm absolutely willing to do it. If he will accept the fight, I will get in the gym tomorrow and start reducing my mass. You know, I, I like the idea of that, but they're not going to let that happen because now the UFC has Pajara fucking ready to fucking go now after his little fucking showing the other day. Because Strickland decided to be a dumb fuck and stand in front of him. So that gave them all the fuel they needed to say, yep, Izzy, here you go. Oh, but that's the thing, though. This could be that that delay, if you will, that no one could bitch about. Because in the UFC, the only person to have ever defeated Israel Adesanya is Jan Blahovich. Yeah, this is is, is uh, yeah, excuse me. This is Izzy's chance to correct the rematch that he lost in the UFC that will guarantee lead into his opportunity to correct his rematch from outside the UFC afterwards. There's yeah. a market to be made there, and there is, but I just I just don't see him playing it that way. Not when they have somebody who's already shown, yeah, I'm willing to knock people out to get to Izzy. Right. And if, unfortunately, if, if anybody can do it, though, I, I think John would be the man to climb down and make a bit. And don't get me wrong. The fucking money is there for that fight because people saw what happened at 205 and go, oh, well, he can manhandle Izzy. I wonder what he can do at 185. It's there, but chances of that fucking happening, I think that's... um. It's a, that fruit's a little too high to pick. Yeah, I, I think you might be right, but goddamn, that's not wishful thinking, man. And the fact that Jan said he's willing to cut body mass to get down to 85 to make the fight happen. Yeah. That, that's got to have Dana scratching his fucking head real hard. <laughs> well, it depends on whether Dana shows up for anything. Because, you know, with his absence as he's been, fucking God only knows. I mean, how is the fucking face promoter of the fucking company gone from fucking International Fight Week as a whole? Four, four, is it four? Was that four or five events in a row he hasn't shown up to? Yeah, the yeah. past month. The past month, yeah. Yeah, he's missed like 
a solid months of fucking cards. So, but to keep his name in the meeting media here, let me give somebody a quarter million dollars just so that oh, way, yeah, um, no. you know. Yeah, no, that's that's actually one of the things on the on the docket here. Yeah, no, uh, the one thing I do want to talk about real quick before we get back to that though, um, for whatever reason, the UFC is real real hard on fucking trilogies. Just cannot get fights that can be ended in one or even two. Trilogies, for whatever reason, are just almost ingrained in the UFC's nature. And we got one suggested yesterday, again, straight from the horse's mouth, as it were, that I'm not going to say this needs to be like a main event or anything. Like, this could even go like premier prelim and still be just fucking fine but i think this would be one of those situations where the uoc would be dumb not to at least consider trying to follow up on it um in doing an interview talking about his daughter and watching her just be an absolute badass uh frank mir this week said that there's only one thought in his head while watching people like his daughter go out and snatch necks and cash checks. And that's the one that got away for him. The only fight he says would even consider interesting him in the slightest to putting the gloves back on one that he said he would be happy to sign up for tomorrow. If they offered it to him, the trilogy with Brock Lesnar, because Brock might have mailboxes for hands, but so does Frank fucking mirror and he can take a shot <laughs> as much as I dislike Brock Lesnar in the UFC. One of the most undeniably pound for pound punch me. I'll fucking punch you back dead level fights. He had, in my opinion was Frank mirror. There's a reason that those dudes got to do two of them and probably should have done a third long before now uh, at this point Brock's still competing obviously he grew the hair out he's put on a little bit of extra mass he's clearly back on some of that fucking horse meat from his fellow fucking heavyweight but it's not like Brock couldn't get back to 265 they might have to wave that USADA thing like they did last time with poor Mark but I'm sure Frank would be willing to wave that USADA thing as well that wouldn't be an issue on Frank's side I'm fucking telling you uh, so there could be a very interesting potential one fight contract matchup for both of those gentlemen to make that trilogy happen to be honest let's not even make it in the UFC Let's put it in some fucking, let's put it over in like one or something like that, where it's a little sketchy on USADA. Yeah. You know, just let them two fucking horse meet it up and see what happens. Fuck it. Take all the Mexican supplements, eat all the fucking horse meat, take all the fucking strange (laughs) protein shakes, I say in air quotes, that you want to fucking get your hands on. Yeah, let's make it a fucking show. Oh, yeah. If you're going to make it that kind of show, just let her rip tater chip. Shit, we might end up with this at Fight Circus on that note. <laughs> Which I, I gotta say, Jason Nutt will do a line and then sell you a fight. So <laughs> Fight Circus is a hell of a thing. 
Um, no, but speaking of fight circus, though, uh, the last one that I do want to talk about real quick before we get into today's uh, punchy, kicky focus is what we mentioned a little bit earlier here. Um, despite not being at over a month's worth of his own company's events or post-fight press conferences, which were primarily his bread and butter, where he gets to brag about all of his USC numbers that the, the show had done that night. Uh, Dana White, amidst being scrutinized by, oh, every major media outlet on the fucking planet, not just MMA, every media outlet for having such fucking horrendous issues with fighter pay, despite the company making astronomical fucking profits, uh, over the weekend decided to take it upon himself to give one of the Nelk boys a fucking YouTuber that he has no ties with, no familial relation with, and has only known for a little over a year, a literal quarter million dollars in cash for his birthday. Now, let me be very clear. If you are a person that has earned enough money that you can give away recklessly a quarter of a million dollars, you are free to do with that quarter million, whatever the fuck you like, you clearly have your finances under control. On the other hand, when your livelihood is quite literally being the face of a company that is under public fire on a daily basis because how little of the profits you openly brag about making goes to the people who make those profits for you, giving away a quarter mil in cash to some dipshit YouTuber is a bad fucking look. Dana going to do what Dana wants to do, but that might be one of the dumbest fucking things we have seen Dana White's name attached to since they officially announced the Contender Series, in my opinion. That being said, uh, either you gentlemen have anything that I missed there that might need covering this week? I don't think that about sums it up. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Dana this weekend. Now that he's dropped a quarter million, he needs to make some money back. His vacation yeah. might be over. Yeah, no shit. So, with that being said, um, if you are one of the lovely YouTubers hanging out on YouTube.com slash I'm No Joe, you will know just by the flashing of the screen that this is the point in the evening where things stop being so fun and start being a little furious. This is the point where we go from talk show to pitch show. This is the point where the gift lets you know we have entered the pit. So, boys and girls, this is our time of turning potentially boring and uninteresting of a card into a little bit of fun, trying to keep it a little lighthearted, put a little competitive spin on it, but not get too goddamn serious because this show doesn't do serious too very often if we can help it at least. So we try and keep things a little bit lighthearted, but we do bring a little competitive edge into things. And this time we are talking about UFC's first ever venture 
to Long Island, New York, the UBS Arena in Elmont, New York, for UFC Fight Night Long Island, Ortega versus Rodriguez. Oh, my goodness. Now, I will say um, we have had... We were talking about this yesterday. I think we said, I think they said there have been four fights already that have fallen off the card for this weekend. Um, and one that has literally been salvaged out of two of the others that fell apart, um, which I'm looking at now. They actually did update that one on, on the actual UFC website. So there is that. That's good. Um, yeah, it looks like the UFC actually might have finally updated their website literally within the last hour. Oh my God. Yeah, it looks like so far everything's right on here so far. Yeah, they did. Like, because I looked at this earlier when I was finishing my notes up and it was still wrong. So literally while we've been live, (laughs) the UFC has finally fixed their fuck up and corrected their official goddamn website. Um, So, yeah, we have got this weekend's early, early. I'm going to say that again for those of you who are catching this live but not sitting at your computer or your phone. I apologize for everyone with headphones in. this card kicks off prelims at 10 a.m. Central Time. I'm going to say that again in case your brain stuttered like mine did when I first heard that. The prelim for Saturday's UFC Long Island card starts at 10 in the fucking morning Central Time. Now, luckily, despite the bunches of fights that have fallen off, this is still a fairly long haul card. I think after the four that fell out and the one they remade, there's still 15 fights on it, uh, 14 or 15 fights. So there's a good long prelim and a good long main card ready for us here. Um, But prelims kick off at 10 a.m. Central. Main card starts at 1 p.m. Central. The whole kit and caboodle should prospectively be wrapped up by 3.34 o'clock in the afternoon Central Time Saturday. So this is one, unlike most UFC cards, you're not going to most likely have your beer ready. You'll probably still be drinking coffee while this one is going. Yeah, it's going to be way too early. The downside is, is I'm doing shit at that time of the day, so probably going to miss it. Or at least a good portion of the start of it. Which, to be honest, not upset about. Right. So, with that being said, um, with this very interesting layout of a card here, uh, for round one, we are going to go a little bit backwards here. Round one, we are starting off with our dark horse, our unappreciated fight uh, of the week here on a card that is literally smattered with potential despite losing a couple here. Um, which one do you think is just not getting any of the love that it deserves here that is potentially going to blow our fucking socks off come this weekend here. There we go. Okay. 
Now, Golfy, this will be yours first here as the uh, returning champion this week. Dude, I have to go with the fight that um, probably nobody in their fucking mother is looking at. And that is going to be on the early fucking prelims. Dustin Jacoby and Dylan Jung. For this reason, not for Jacoby, for Jung. Jung has been on an absolute tear in the light heavyweight division since he's entered the UFC. And everybody he's getting put in front of, I think with the exception of one, maybe two fights of the like five or six he's had, he has had finishes, whether it's knockouts or fucking submissions. He doesn't go longer than the second round. I think it's it's only happened once or twice that since he's been in the UFC. Jung is highly under fucking valued right now. And to be honest, Dustin Jacoby sitting at 15, little overvalued in my opinion. But this does have a, there's a lot of chance of fucking fireworks there. And I haven't heard anybody fucking talk about it at all. It's like, it's just, they're using it as a, a filler, which to be honest, I get it. Jung not being ranked. Yeah, go ahead and use it as filler, but still definitely undervalued on this card. I could definitely see that. Yeah, Tyler Jung is always fucking entertaining, man. That's he's another one of those dudes we like to say he's allergic to boring fights. He breaks out in punches. <laughs> so that'll bring us back over to you, sir. Christian, what do you think on this tall stack fucking card here in Long Island? Is the one that's just slid under the radar, the one that nobody's really talking about, our dark horse fight, in your opinion? All right, so for my dark horse, I mean, I've heard about it a little bit, but not too much. And the biggest reason I'm going to go dark horse, it's on the prelims, but I feel like this should be on the main card. Uh, Jack Shore versus Ricky Simone. I feel like this could be one of the fights of the night on the entire card. Jack Shore, you know, 16-0. and 0, He's got 12 finishes out of the 16 fights. Ever since he's gotten the UFC, he's only got a couple of those finishes, right? He's 5-0 and in the UFC, three decisions. He's been getting tougher matches, and he's been taking it slow. He hasn't been getting pushed up or hyped up, kind of like the Sean O'Malley, but I'd like to see Jack Shore get more of that push. He's finally getting this test, right? Ricky Simone, not a pushover by any means. He's been through the ringer, fought a lot of guys like Ray Borg, you know, Uriah Hall, you know. I think this is going to be an exciting fight. It's going to be back and forth. It's really going to test Jack Shore. I think he's going to win by decision. I'd like to see a finish in it. You know, both of them are exciting. You know, we could see a finish in the fight. But, yeah, yeah, I feel like it hasn't been talked enough about should be on the main card. This is going to be one of the best fights on the card, in my opinion. Man, did you really just go against the power of the fucking mullet? I mean – I was I was gonna let him finish his deal, but yeah, no, the the power hey, of the know, mullet. Is I did strong. say I did say he's been through the ringer. He's no <laughs> fucking pushover. He's only got a few losses. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, come talking. on, I gave the man his respect. It's just Jack Shore's undefeated. I think he's the prospect that should be okay. getting that tout that That's Sean O'Malley's getting. Right? Everybody's I, entitled to their choice. I was gonna I, let him go. I'm not gonna say that you didn't give him his respect. You did give him the respect. But Absolutely. you forgot the most glorious fucking piece of respect the man deserves. I, yeah, he's got his uh, fucking he's sexy got fucking head flow, for Christ's sake. I've got my own locks. I mean, 
It's no disrespect to him at all. I just uh, think Shore's going to win. That's it. That's all I said. That's <laughs> uh, as I said. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I, I let him finish his piece. It, you know, it's absolutely understandable to be a fan of Jack Shore coming in as an undefeated dude. They've absolutely got a hype train from hell going around him. Yeah. But, I'm not mad at you. I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm just saying everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But here on the I'm No Joe podcast, we have quite literally followed the career of Ricky Simone through his own doubting of the power of the mullet and the realization therein in the failure and the pain that it caused his career. And as soon as that glory started to trickle down that golden rat's nest that wrapped itself in fucking heavenly power coming off the back of his head started to return. The winning ways were undeniably back shining their glory upon him. And Jack Shore might have a whole train load of potential, but man, I can't go against Ricky Simone and the power of the mullet. (laughs) (laughs) We have got to go. For golf to you for point round one here, just on the power of the mullet principle here. And if we eat it next week, I will gladly eat it. But God damn it, the power of the mullet compels me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, apparently, you you, for, you didn't catch that memo about our show and the power of the mullet. Uh, we're, learning we're, curve, it's fine. It, yeah, it, that's, one of the, that's one of those few things that it's like we've seen people knuckle bump Bruce Buffer and then win, but we've never seen anybody chop the mullet and win. Once you chop that mullet, it's been over. We've got empirical evidence. It's just tried and true. It's not even superstition at that point. And Ricky learned that the hard way, and he's on the comeback with the mullet returning, and the power has come back with it. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, we, we got to go the power of the mullet here. So, we're going to give round one to golf to you here. <laughs> but that being said, that brings us to round two. And if round one was the dark horse, then you already know if you're a fan of the show here, that round two means we have got to know what is on the other side of that coin. If there is a fight that is not getting any love, then there is undeniably going to be one that people will not shut the fuck up about and does not deserve the seconds of time that it is getting. So, in this round, gentlemen, what is the overhyped fight of the card? What is the built up for no reason, waste of fucking time, attention stealing, some bitch of a fight on this weekend's card? Christian, you'll start this one off. I'm going to go with the start of the main card Lauren Murphy, Misha Tate. It's not been immensely overhyped, but then again, none of these fights other than the main card to me have been very hyped up this week. But since we were supposed to get it two weeks ago on International Fight Week, that's kind of where I, this this is the overhyped card. Both of them are kind of on their tail end of the career. Both ladies, I, I like them. They're great fighters. They've had good careers. They've been through the ringer. I like Misha Tate's taking the step down and getting the flyweight debut. I'm interested to see how she does. Uh, obviously, Valentina has also said she's willing to give Misha the title shot if she beats Lauren Murphy. Don't necessarily think that moving down to flyweight and one win over, you know, a top five fighter gets her the title shot, but Champ says it does. So 
I just feel like it's the overhyped fight. I'm not extremely excited about it other than that. I like Misha Tate. I like me some cupcakes in real life, and I like Cupcake Tate. I'd like to see her win, have a good debut in the flyweight division, get that chance to go get another title shot in her career before it's done. But like I said, both of them are on the tail end. I don't see anything too exciting in this. You know, it might be a decent fight, but. I can absolutely agree with that uh, for really for lack of a better comparison, this fight really kind of strikes me as mom. I, I want Paige Van Zandt versus Carissa Sagala. And your mom says, we've got Paige Van Zandt versus Carissa Sagala at home. Oh, <laughs> uh. This is very much that for me. Only like gloves instead of bare knuckles. <laughs> but, I, I agree. That that fight is absolutely overhyped. I, I do absolutely agree. <laughs> at, at least Misha Tate doesn't have an OnlyFans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. So, right. that being said, golf tea. <laughs> What do you think is going to be our overhyped, nonsensically fucking attention-given fight of the weekend here? To be honest, I agree with that. However, the other one that really fucking strikes me is a lot more overhyped is Michelle Watterson and fucking Amanda Lemos. Because to be honest, I love the Crowdy Hot. I really fucking do. But God damn it, has she been on a fucking absolute terrible skid? And Lemos is nothing to write home about herself. Like, why are they the co-main event? I would much rather see Cupcake and Murphy as a fucking co-main event versus these two. But all I've seen all week is Crotty Hottie, Amanda Lemos. No, no, fuck that. These bitches shouldn't even be the co-main event. Please put the fucking leech and Muslim Sokolov in there. I'm fucking okay with that even. But this shit, no. You have a falling off Michelle Waterson, and with all due respect, like that, a lot of love for the lady. But fuck, she has not performed well in like the last three years. Up in she, and when she was on that tear to go after being the mom champ, once that stopped, she's fallen completely off. So way overhyped. Not worth the fucking co-main event spot that it's sitting in. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you there as well. Uh, I Look, I have been a fan of the Karate Hottie for years. You know what I'm not a fan of, though? The Karate Karen. Because that's who showed up this week. Full on, let me speak to your manager haircut. Not fucking worried about training, but taking a bazillion ass pictures all over the fucking campgrounds and the fucking the setup. No, no. Uh, the karate hottie, the Michelle Watterson. I'm not, I'm not knocking the pictures. What I'm saying is the focus of taking the oh, pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the problem. I appreciate, yeah, I, I appreciate those high heel fucking rip jean shots just as much as the next dude that scrolled past them and scrolled back. But, and I mean, but <laughs> if you're there training for a fight that's supposed to be your resurgence coming off of an injury that made you pull out of what potentially would have been the biggest fight of your career. And you have to come back and make a statement to solidify your place in the company. 
maybe showing up early to take pictures of your ass instead of training isn't the way to go. Or maybe no. just take a fucking note from your uh, baby daddy and don't pull out. Right? Something. But uh, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, th- this fight is absolutely getting overhyped. Um, I do think, though, that the Lauren Murphy versus Misha is getting a little more overhyped, though, because Lauren seems to believe that this is just a big fight, and Misha is under the impression that this is a title contender eliminator fight. And I think Misha's the only one that said that, but she's screaming it to everyone who puts a microphone in front of her face. So uh, in this round, uh, we are going to give the point for round two here uh, to Slow Bake. So going forward from there, round three, flipping this all around here, we have got a very interesting uh, co-main event this weekend here. Like we were talking about Michelle Watterson coming off of a injury-induced pullout. Uh, Amanda Limos really trying to solidify herself as a staple of the division of a real contender to be, you know, dealt with. Um, how does this co-main event shake loose? Golf tee, you'll get this one first. You're muted. Got to hit that mute button. Hit the mute. God damn it! I thought I hit the unmute button. Fuck. Okay. Like I said, a minute. Doing it live, folks. We're doing it live. (laughs) Not only just over fucking hyped, but Watterson has been fucking a shell of the competitor that she used to be, and I've got a lot of respect for her. I really do. Whether the Karen here, I agree with or not, but whatever. That's besides the fucking point. Uh, She's since 2019 when she lost to fucking was it fucking Joanna in a five-round fucking war. Got her ass handed to her. She has not been the same. She then gets beat by fucking Esparza. Barely edges out fucking a shitty Angela Hill. And then gets taken out by fucking Rodriguez in another five-round I won't even call war. It was just a five-round ass-kicking. She is a shell of the person she used to be. And then looking at Lemus, this is a fucking walk in the park for her. And to be honest, Lamos is nobody to fucking write home about either. She's on fucking, I'll say shaky fucking legs is what I will call her. She's beating the same fucking style of competition as fucking Watterson is barely squeaked out or lost to recently. So to be honest, it's a shit show. And I don't think Watterson walks away with it. And unfortunately, that means we have to see more of Lamos fucking eventually. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. This is not the, uh, not the most exciting co-main we've seen in a while, to say the least. Um, I, and I, I agree. I don't think we see a finish in this fight. I, I think we're going to the decision for sure. I don't know. We'll, we'll definitely see. But that brings us back over to you there, Christian. How do you see this one, Shake Loose? You think we're going to decision? You think we're in for a stoppage? You think Karate Hottie is on the resurgent trail? Or you think Limo is just putting that fire out before it gets reignited? Well, the way that I see it's going to go, um, kind of like Golf T said, the last win that Michelle Watterson had was Angela Hill. That's nothing to look 
at, you know, uh, Angela Hill's just a real middle-of-the-pack fighter. Um, Amanda Lemos, to me, hasn't done anything special. You know, the last fight, I don't think it was that horrible how she lost. I mean, she lost the standing choke to Andrade. She was looking all right, you know, with the striking and everything before that choke happened. Um, so I could see a finish maybe just with how Waterston's been as of late. Maybe Lemos could get the finish, but I don't I, – I like Michelle Waterston a lot, not just because she is the karate honey. You know, she she got the looks, but she, she has been a tough fighter through her career, and I'd like to see her bounce back a little bit. Lemos is kind of that middle-of-the-pack fighter. I don't see this fight being exciting. I see a decision. The fan in me is rooting like Michelle Waterston winning by decision, but the smart pick, I think, is Lemos winning by decision. I just think the striking's going to give – yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think you're right on the money here. Uh, I, I think we're going to see a uh, very lackluster, unimpressive decision victory here, uh, and I, I think it goes to Lee Mush as well. Uh, Karate Hottie just, I don't know. It, it seems like she's one step from being Paige Van Zant at this point. She just doesn't seem to give a shit. She likes the attention, but not actually putting in the work to keep it, so... I don't know. Um, the Michelle Watterson we used to all love and root for doesn't seem to be the one we're we're seeing. We'll we'll find out come Saturday for sure. But it's definitely leaning heavily towards Limos for the vast majority of the people that I've talked to as well. So um, for this one, we are going to go ahead and give the point to Golpty here for calling that one right out of the gate. Uh, I am agreeing with you. I think we see <laughs> lackluster decision, but I do think. We still see, unfortunately, the karate hottie is going to for 15 minutes. That being said, uh, the main event, on the other hand, while maybe not quite as highly talked about as the ladies fight for most of the MMA journalists that have been yapping off this week, but definitely divisionally more important than the co-main event three versus two obviously more important than 10 versus 11 in this situation here but the fact that these are literally the next two literal top of the rank contenders fighting for a shot at that belt when literal 1a and 1b just fought for it it, it's going to mean quite a bit and in this situation the fact that we've got ortega coming in for his second shot here on Volkanovsky, third shot on the belt, that's crazy in such a young career. So I'm curious, gentlemen, how do you think this main event plays out? Christian, you get this one first, sir. Well, I definitely like Yair. I mean, he, he's electric. He's athletic. He's crazy. You know, I mean, a lot of his moves is crazy. I feel like he would match up against Volkanovsky really really well. Uh, that's the new blood fight. It'd be easy for the UFC to sell it. I think Volkanovski would like it. That'd be the fight to keep him at 145 instead of trying to go up 155. And with there not being a champ right now, I still want to see him stay at 145 and defend the belt, especially if he comes back from that hand injury and actually fights at the end of the year, fights that December card. Like he said he wanted to at the start of the year. You know, if he's healthy, he will try to defend the belt again. So, I mean, I think Brian's got 
the best chance to get a finish, though. If Yair can keep the fight on the feet, it's going to be a five-round war. And with what we saw against Max, he very well could squeak out the decision. And then, yeah, he's going to get that title shot. He should get the title shot. I would like to see Brian get that finish, you know, go get it to the ground. He gets a choke, maybe, you know, a big finish. I'd like to see him get a rematch. If, if it's a, a war and Brian squeaks it out, I feel like Brian should have to go fight Max. Let, let's, let's get Brian to beat Max, get that rematch against Max, really prove that he deserves another shot. Maybe then go have Yair fight Josh in it and try to shake things out in the division, see who really deserves it. You know, I think there's some interesting shit that can happen after this fight, but I'm, I'm I'm going Ortega just because I feel like he's more dangerous if it gets to the ground. But I, uh, I'm i interested as hell. I think it's going to be an exciting fight because Yair's got good takedown defense, and if he can keep it standing, he's got a good chance of winning this fight, especially how he looked against Max Holloway last year. It's going to be a fucking exciting fight. The best fight on the fucking card, for sure. I absolutely agree with that for damn sure. Uh, so, golf team. How do you think this main event shakes out? Do you think we see Ortega trying to stamp himself a shot back at that rematch for uh, Volkanovski, or do you think we see uh, New Blood taking the victory and trying to make himself another title contender? Kink. All right. Let me start with this. I will. I refuse to fucking give Yair Rodriguez any sort of fucking credit. That dude is the epitome of a luck fucking sandwich. <laughs> he would be a fucking soup sandwich had he not made it into the UFC, but he's a luck sandwich at this fucking point. Everything that he has done to get where he's at is luck-based. There's not been one set of fucking skill or anything like that. And to be honest, we've sh- he's shown that he is an actual human piece of shit. If we go all the way back to the incident in fucking Mexico City, we'll start there. Then he's also pulled off one of the luckiest bullshit fucking elbows you'll ever see in your fucking life. Last minute, I'm getting the brakes beat off of me fucking shit. The dude's an absolute shitbag. To be honest, I'm glad he's coming off loss. Ortega's coming off loss himself, but to the fucking champ who literally just decimated the shit out of the guy that just decimated the shit out of Rodriguez in a Max fucking Holloway. Almost doubled his fucking significant strikes in that fight against Rodriguez. Ortega takes this, no problem. He did a much better job against fucking Max than goddamn Yair ever did. And I hate to use MMA math here, but I fucking hate Yair Rodriguez. That dude's an absolute pile of shit. And if he got hit by a fucking truck and started on fire, I wouldn't piss on him to put him out. I'm team fucking T-City all day here. I think he gets it done with a fucking guillotine. Mark my fucking words. Guillotine choke is how this fucking fight ends. Interesting. I I gotta say... I agree 100%. Fuck yeah, you're, I, I'm team Ortega on this one for sure. But I, I got to deduct a point here because you actually included 
MMA math in your final answer. Oh, you can fuck right off for the point deduction. <laughs> you can keep the point in there and still give the point to him, but don't you deduct me for adding that shit in there because it was well worth it and necessary talking about the piece of shit he is. No, 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 no. I, I'm not taking a point away because you used MMA math. I'm taking a point away because you used MMA math and you didn't show your work. Oh, I showed my fucking work. Max, Max Holloway beat the dog shit out of Yair Rodriguez. I would say probably more effectively than he beat the shit out of Brian Ortega. And Volkanovski beat the shit out of Max Holloway and beat the shit out of Brian Ortega. So by MMA math's full circle, showing all your work, carrying the one dot, the I, cross the T, two goes over here, Yair shouldn't stand a fucking chance in this match. Oh, no shit. We've also seen Ortega get lazy. As well, so you don't sound lazy right now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, there's still some definite what the fuck factors that could get. Go ahead, take the point. Just go ahead, give it to him. I I know where you're going with this because you do the same Uh, thing in a week out. It's you know, one point goes one way, one point goes one way, and then we bring it. I try not to dictate the way (laughs) the points are distributed. I'm just saying. No, I try and let the answers carry the flow of the show on their own, and I just help funnel them into an appetizing format for the viewers. I'm going to have to start but wearing waiters. In this situation, I'm given no choice but to give the point for round four here to the brother Christian. Okay. And if you can maths and you've been keeping up with the show thus far, that means, boys and girls, that we are all tied up and we now have to go to a sudden death overtime round. Winner takes all. And as we do around here, when the winner takes all, that question has absolutely nothing to do with the card we are here to talk about this evening. So tonight, gentlemen, I give you an either or. Is a pair of questions reversed? One of you gets one and one of you gets the other. Golfy, as the current champion, I will let you choose which question you receive. I'm holding up a number of fingers on my right hand and a different number of fingers on my left hand. The hand you choose will be the question that you answer and Christian will get the other left or right, sir. I will choose a left or right in a moment. What I want you to do for me, we don't have to do it right now on the spot. I want you to go back through all of the pit episodes that you have judged and tell me where we've had a point one by one person, then a point one by the other person, then a point one by that same person again, and then the other person. I know exactly how many that motherfucker is. This, an absolute goose egg. This is like fucking it's rigged, sir. It's like- sir, you're going to have to need to bring your complaint up with the commission manager. Oh, where's the commission at? Get the motherfucker in here. <laughs> Not a complaint. I'm just saying. It, it, it kind of reminds me of whose line is it anyway? Fucking all <laughs> funny games and the points don't fucking matter. <laughs> That's right, goddammit. All right. Anyway, um, let's go fucking... Is your camera flipped? Because I don't know which arm I'm looking at. Wave your right this arm. My left arm. Okay. So, you, all right. You're, you're good. Right arm, then. Okay. So, as the champion... Would you like to answer first? Well, wait a minute. You brought a one and then a one. (laughs) 
No, no, no. I brought the other arm down so you, you couldn't see, see how many were on the other one. No, no. You got the one. The other arm got brought down. That's why I said, do you want to answer first or do you want to answer second? Because that'll determine which question. Whether you hear I thought history. you said I'm answering the first one if that was the one I picked. No, no, no. I said you get to choose your question. <laughs> the champion's prerogative lets you choose whether you answer first or second. Oh, well, fuck. Well, fuck. I'll go fucking first. Fuck it. Get okay. it out of the way so that way oh. we can get over with this uh, whose line is it only bullshit. So you chose one. <laughs> So your question, sir, you are caught on a hiking trail all by yourself, a cliff on one side, a Francis Ngannou-sized Rose Namajunas on the other. How do you get free? I don't bother. I just jump off the fucking cliff. End of story. Period. <laughs> There's nothing more to say to that. I'm not trying to go through that shit. No. Jumping off the fucking cliff, I'm into myself. There's your fucking answer. I would have just said eat her ass, but I mean, just go straight through her. Definitely an answer. Definitely an option. All right. (laughs) Well, in that case, then, Christian, that brings us over to you, sir. So, Christian. You are hiking on a trail all by yourself. Giant perilous cliff behind you. In front of you from the forest walks three Rose Namajunas-sized Francis Ngannou clones. How do you survive? Oh, shit. (laughs) I mean, that's a good fucking question. But I mean... I feel like I could take them a little bit more. I mean, I think I would survive. They might kick my ass because there's three of them, but just because you said they're Rose Nami Eunice size, right? I feel like I could I could take them on. I'm definitely not jumping off the cliff with that one. I'm just trying to head on through them again, just like I said with the last one. Only I'm not eating any ass because these ones are dudes. Even if the last one was an ugly chick, I would eat the ass. These ones, uh, duke it out. For fuck's sake. All right. So, (laughs) that being said, one of the most difficult fifth rounds we've had to judge here on the I'm No Joe podcast. For those of you who would keep it up. Um, Man, got to dot the I's, cross the T's, carry the one. All right. All right. So, after careful consideration, since we are a show about combat sports and facing your fears and standing up for yourself and whatnots, jumping off a cliff, I feel like just can't be the way to give one of the biggest Rose Namajunas booties the opportunity it deserves. So we are going to give the point for round five here to Christian. Brother Slobig has taken his victory and taken the crown back. (laughs) I took the ass and I took the crown. That's right. That's how it goes sometimes. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, but that's the that point. Even said, if you don't survive, you gotta have balls, right? That's what being a man is, huh? Yeah, yeah, nobody said was at the bottom of that cliff. It might have been ocean, and I'm glad to jump in the ocean. I can fucking swim like a fish. There you go. There you go. See, silver line. And it takes balls to jump off a cliff, too. And well, you haven't done it. <laughs> oh, but that is all we have got for this particular episode for this evening. So, Thank you again to my glorious co-host here this wonderful evening. Thank you to you who are at home either watching this on youtube.com slash I'm no Joe or listening in podcast glorious form through your consumption platform of choice via anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe. Either way, we appreciate you guys tuning in and taking part in the show this particular week. If you would like to connect with the show all of the links for all of the social medias are down below in the description. There is a link tree link for everything involved in the show. All of our guests and wonderful panelists all have their links down there as well. If you'd like to contribute to the show and help us do what we do around here, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash I'm no Joe. For as little as $1 a month, you get your name on the thank you screen at the end and you get access to behind the scenes, unaired and literally unairable things that we get up to around here and i cannot tell you exactly what the most recent post that was put up there on the patreon was what i can tell you is that this podcast was quite literally deemed too hot for only fans so we put what only fans wouldn't let us up on patreon for you folks to appreciate so you're curious as a little as a dollar you can go find out that being said if you do like what we get up to around here, make sure you're subscribed and got your notifications turned on or whatever platform you pick this up on. If you do not like what we get up to around here, first and foremost, what the fuck are you doing this deep into a podcast you didn't like? Give us a thumbs down and fuck off. We won't even dispute it. That being said, that's all we've got for this particular episode. So remember, boys and girls, until next time, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. How do I say goodbye?